0: Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. I'm your host, Michael Minkoff. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity, and in the last four years we've given away more than $250,000 in sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to contribute to this sponsorship fund or this podcast, please join our patron community today. It's really easy, and it starts at a dollar a month. That's only about 25 cents per podcast episode. Go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts to learn more. In this episode, Justice sits down with Eric Loxmo at his home in Nashville. Eric's a former DC press secretary and speechwriter who now produces and markets films. His production resume includes such noteworthy projects as Amazing Grace, Silence, Calvary, and First Reformed. Their conversation touched on a wide variety of topics—common grace, patronage, and politics. They ask, if culture is not uniform, and it looks more like a living room than a battlefield, what does it look like and what does it take to contribute our part to cultural transformation? This is Ditching DC for Music City with Eric Loxmo.
1: So, why are you in Nashville if
2: your thing is film? I told someone the other day that um, they asked, Why did you go from New York to Nashville? And I said, I gave up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is totally an insult to everyone in Nashville right <laughs> um, no it, this is a place I, I I love Storyville I love there's a different type of creative here that are, and this is where Andrew Peterson would be all of my case about calling people a creative oh, as a yeah. noun yeah. <laughs> so. yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. my my our co-founder Michael Minkoff hates it too and it's like there's a reason this word has come up because when you say yeah. artist Yes, then you just think visual professional artist. artist or professional, maker. Yeah,
2: professional maker, but yeah. there's there's some word out there anyway There's a number of people here that are doing interesting things the roots of the city here are incredible um, and I, I always like these second tier cities that are on the move mm-hmm. I, I felt that LA was super competitive and a different level of creativity DC was a place that you had this like-minded community, of locking arms, because they didn't make money. You don't make money in DC. Uh-huh. It's all about mission. Mm-hmm. So mission-minded city of DC, the entertainment of LA, and but then in New York you have the pride of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in New Yorkers. Yeah, and you're making it. You're like living in the grit mm-hmm. and the grind. Nashville has a bit of all that. Mm. There's a good community here that's very collaborative. I don't I don't ever sense that people are out to get you or to, mm. to compete. I'm sure it happens, but not in my space. And then you have this pride of Nashville, and then you have the entertainment side of there's real agencies and real um, personalities and celebrities here, and things happening, and it will happen more and more. But um, we've had friends here. And we just thought it was a great spot to be with mm-hmm. our stage of life and have been here four years and love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love Tennessee. For some reason, it it's just felt like home. So, mm. like and I grew up in Atlanta. A lot of work is in Atlanta, but yeah. like, we will do what we can to stay in Tennessee.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think Chattanooga, that corridor between Nashville and Atlanta is going to be explosive. Uh, Nashville will will surge when some things happen here that are uniquely Nashville um, That happened with the hockey and then became the NFL mm-hmm. draft mm-hmm. hockey team the NFL draft But when these big things happen, so if I, I think if Nashville the show did a lot obviously If there's a movie that comes out of here or some artist that More than there already are really pops out of here or a director comes out of here something that that Convenes more similar people. I think it'll become an Austin next. Yeah, and then have its own identity. I hope because Certainly it should and it can
3: yeah
1: It's been good. Have you watched the uh, The uh, documentary by Ken Burns the country music yet. documentary
2: and I need to I'm
1: most of the way through it. It's really 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 good um, Yeah, but I, it's all so much of it is Nashville.
2: Yes, I I need to and I've heard people loving it and but I heard they fast. He got really fast at the end, like more of the more of the contemporary mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. more of the country scene, country music scene in the in the last maybe 15 years.
1: Saw, which is fine.
2: I, I prefer the old stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Dolly and <laughs> Hank and
2: Johnny and yeah, the rest. I mean, it's just that's well, that's what made Nashville the crossroads of America. And artists come here and they. They realize, I mean, you realize why they're here is because touring starts here mm-hmm. to get to the country. Mm-hmm. Friends who were in New York, they had to come here then to, to get here to start and, or the bus had to come from here to pick them up in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think it's a beautiful place and I love, I love East Tennessee. I think it's just gorgeous. hmm so you run Aspiration Entertainment, and there are posters on the <laughs> wall. Uh, I was telling someone on my way over, or on my way up from uh, Chattanooga, I was like, yeah, I'm going to meet a guy. Eric, is it Locksmo? Yeah. Yeah, nailed Awesome. Nailed it. And uh, I was like, so of all the movies that we like to recommend to people, it's like, this is how Christians should be making movies. Like, they're all things that have been that you have been involved in, which is so wonderful. Like, I'm just looking like silence, Amazing Grace. That one's you know kind of a little farther back. Um, Calvary was one that Mm y'all did. Would you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you? I still messed it up. Yeah, look at you. Need to focus on that poster. There you go. Yes. Okay. I've seared it. Yes. Won't you be my neighbor? I always second, I, t- I think we even talked about this on yes. the phone, I second guess it, and so I d- try the one that I don't think it is, and I <laughs> just keep doing that.
2: Um, you know, but, every time you do a movie, it's always an acronym in, the, in how you describe it, or you're doing reports. It's always, uh, so that would be W-Y-B-M-N. Right. It's how you'd see it in reports and mm-hmm. in, in emails. Mm-hmm. So everything is um, acronymed out when you're doing a movie.
1: Right. That makes sense. Shorten it down. But they're all really, really great movies. So, how? First of all, what does your what is your involvement in these different movies, and what are you what are you doing as of late? Yeah, it's
2: it's uh, it's been an amazing thing to be part of movies that we have found or they found us. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we've had a certain firm view of what we care about, what we want to be a part of, and and how we describe an audience and how we describe art. So we are saying no to things, to say yes to the right things, oftentimes surprising even the producers of those movies that we believe there's an audience for them. Um, and the range of work on these projects has been tiny, you know, we're doing some small part of a campaign, others are much more of a larger part. Mm-hmm. Typically on the bigger movies and shows we are a part of the marketing publicity and The smaller the movie the probably the more we're involved and we're oftentimes distributing or helping to fund Uh, and the goal being that We just want to communicate to those that are making great films and shows that the audience is changing There's an audience that they don't believe is out there. It really is is out there. Yeah so it's, it's been a decade plus of, and there's a lot of movies we don't work on that I love. And I want to be clear that there's, there's movies that I think are in the uh, highest tier of quality that fit this audience we serve that we haven't worked on.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But we're still advocates for it because um, the movies that we work on tend to be, and I wouldn't say this publicly or in meetings because it wouldn't be clear, mm-hmm. But it's a common grace view of mm-hmm. art and that's a doctrine that's not typically talked about in churches and in Christian circles. Unpack that. Well, this, there's much more smarter people to, than me to talk about common <laughs> grace and go into the theological. I describe it as, as this, that um, in God's creation we have the Imago Dei, the imprint of the Creator in us. And that, if you're, if you're redeemed or not redeemed, you're, a, you're in the family of God or you're not. Um, we can talk about that too. That you have these characteristics and impulses and um, responses and uh, even creative outputs that reflect his glory and goodness and grace mm-hmm. and his character, even if you don't acknowledge it. So if you have common grace, this view of common grace, it enables you to look at culture with an incredibly different view. You don't have to fight it, you don't have to fear it. You can say, wow, I can appreciate that dancer who does not hold my view of the world, who's on Broadway, who just completely blew my mind and I'm gonna stand up and applaud and I'm gonna seek their autograph and I'm gonna get a photo with them and I'm going to tell everyone about that, that mm-hmm. musical or that show or that dancer just because they're, I would believe they're worshipping the creator even if they don't even acknowledge it. Mm. So common grace really is, and we hear about this a lot in circles, is the good, the true, and the beautiful, that platonic idea of the trinity of, of what's a good life, mm-hmm. um, goodness, truth, and beauty. Wherever that's fa- found, in, in our case, where we find a film that has that either it's just a scene or a theme in the movie, we're going to get behind it and applaud it.
1: Yeah. It's the the idea, like, all truth is God's truth. Mm -hmm. So um, if there are true aspects of certain philosophies that might not be based in Christianity, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, you've still hit upon something that is true, and just because um, it was outside the context of perhaps a more, I don't know, cohesive biblical worldview it's still true right and it's still useful
2: right and that's a generational shift i think that older generations to me they had to name it and claim it to, to feel like it was was truly a christian belief or or or, or christianly yeah. versus a younger generation is recognizing that there is there's is capital t truth there's capital g goodness and there's capital b beauty in places that we least expect and so if you want to get some a, kind of a rhyme in the whole thing is i'm looking for common grace in an unlikely place
3: mm-hmm.
2: so my eyes are always scanning the horizon and of okay where are we seeing surprising acts of beauty i mean how do you explain 9-11 uh, people rushing into buildings to save others that save strangers like that is a common grace view of heroic acts Mm -hmm. of sacrifice Mm
1: -hmm.
2: or, um, again, countless stories, books, music, films, fashion, um, poetry, paintings all around us that absolutely glorify God. But for some reason, we get suspicious and we think, oh, unless it's labeled something, we can't fully get behind it.
1: Yeah. I think it comes down... I don't. I don't think that Christians, as an audience, uh, perhaps more so in the past, and I'm including myself in this, um, discernment is something that mm. we are weak on, mm-hmm. and I think it's because we've relied on other people to to curate mm. for us. True. Um, so it's like even like the G rating, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. But um, if you can tell me what is good for me, then just send it yeah. my way, and I can turn off <laughs> my like filter. You know what I mean? And I can just, so if it's a certain rating or a, or a certain person, you know, who endorsed something, or then I can just flip the switch and not even worry about it. Um, and we talked about the use of, for example, like ratings when it comes to nudity in movies. Um, and, and the lines get, get to be so arbitrary. Um, you know, how much skin is showing isn't the whole story of mm. how is the human body being portrayed in its purpose Absolutely. and in its glory. And, you know, you can be entirely clothed and have a sultry or, you know, a, an incredibly erotic. steamy, yeah. erotic, whatever, even, verging even on pornographic, and, and well, there's not a nipple, so it's like, you know, mm-hmm. PG. And it's like, you've got to be, there's, it's, it falls short. And, um I think that uh, Mm. for whatever reason, this is something that we really need to start lifting weights on is discernment. (laughs) Like get better at, um, we need to get better at being able to assess and not just take the easy route of relying on what someone else has already pre-approved, pre-stamped for us.
2: And you get it. It's it's because the world's complicated. It's confusing. We're busy. We don't know. We don't trust ourselves. We don't want to we're lazy. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it. Yeah. That curators or brands do that. They clear the, right. to clear the noise.
1: <laughs> and, and that's actually a, a struggle for us because as like a thought leader in the art space, it could be like, hey, so you, you now mm-hmm. curate for us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to some degree, we do want to share with you what we think is very good. And we do. But to another degree, it's like, uh, more important than that, I want you. To, you know, we want our audience to to stretch themselves, learn discernment, disagree with us, and you know, find out what, what's what's best for them. Use so. that
2: use that muscle. I, I like that the weight room. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I was in DC, and I worked for the top, probably top three or four historian of the Renaissance mm. um, uh, works of art. And Mm -hmm. Bruce Cole was the head of the. He was the chairman of the National Endowment for the Humanities, art historian, Mm -hmm. and you know, DC, the best museums in the world. Many of them are just down the the mall, Mm -hmm. in the shadow of the Capitol. It's fascinating, Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: in the shadow of of the monuments to, you know, also beautiful works of art, but in the shadow of politics. Right. We walk down there. We literally walk from our office down there and he'd give us a tour and he'd go and talk about these these amazing and again i i'm so not the high art but the Titian this and the the rubens painting here and he would go through and the rembrandts and all that he would go mm-hmm. through it and he never said that was a great painting because of what was not there in other words for Christians were oftentimes said, well that was a great movie because there was no violence, sex, or language. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say it was a great painting because there was no this or that or this. Right. It's, a gr- it's the merits of the work. And oftentimes, um, we get really hung up on defining what is good by what is the absence of. There's absence of something. Yeah, And, that's, and, it, and it happened to me, I was most shocked after leaving government, getting in the film space, I'm working on Amazing Grace, which is, <laughs> I hope everyone has, has seen that because not, you know, it has a faith-based title to it, mm-hmm. but it's a political thriller.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Michael Abt dead directing. It's one of Benedict Cumberbatch's first films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful story of Wilberforce who's fighting the slave trade. But Wilberforce's wife, Barbara Spooner, in costume, has, a, has cleavage.
3: Yeah. A bustier
2: or whatever the yeah. the costume of the time, mm-hmm. and I remember being at a screening in a certain city that is known for its views, and there were people with pens and paper marking down when they said "damn" or "hell," and then we had to address the issue that some group was not going to support it because Barbara Spooner, Wilburforce's wife, who's in costume, mm-hmm. had cleavage. Mm. Mm-hmm. and it it just startled me because I'm thinking you have this amazing work of art, the advocates the advocates for people to stay in their positions of leadership and and to to advance the kingdom in a way that is outside of the ministry mm-hmm. and you're upset about cleavage mm-hmm and we got marked down for that in, in different very conservative circles mm. So there's something about this where even the curators, like the ones that are traditionally there, the older generation curators, have a very odd view of, mm-hmm. of art. Like it has to be sanitized and basically marinates in Purell mm-hmm. before you can watch it. And I just think it's, it's really making us irrelevant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, and strangely missing out on all the beautiful art that's out there. Yeah. Long way of saying, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like going on, it's a rabbit trail. No,
1: I love it. I love it. It is It is strange. And I mean, if you read the Bible, it doesn't shy away from graphic content. Right. It's like, what, it, you know, I'd hate to hand over the Bible to you <laughs> for, you know, yeah. for preservation or editing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, exactly. whew, we'd, get, Didn't we'd he have, get a much shorter book coming out of the other end.
2: <laughs> yeah. Didn't Song of Solomon, it was like, it was banned from... Younger kids couldn't read it for something. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you're talking about uh, in Jewish tradition. I think there's like a certain age. Mm. If I, if I'm recalling that correctly, you know, you, you kind of come of age before you read it, which kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think family friendly is mm-hmm. is. Uh, I understand the desire for having movies and art in general that is appropriate for children. That's Mm -hmm. great. Um, But it's almost like, well, if it's inappropriate for children, then it's not appropriate for anyone. Right. And that's, like, definitely (laughs) not true. Right? As far as, like, well, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child. When I became Mm -hmm. a man, I put away childish things. You know, you should be maturing in your uh, capability to interact with art and in your ability to... um, Deal with more weighty topics, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. things like violence and and and, and even and uh, romance. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know, even steamy romance of the ilk of you know Song of Solomon, that mm-hmm. is incredibly like, uh, <laughs> as far as literature goes, uh, very straightforward in what it. Well, actually, not not exactly straightforward, but in, in its symbolism, entirely erotic. And right. so, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's funny that family friendly really just means like Christian friendly, or not even children friendly. It's just like no, this is just
2: the yeah. only thing that you can. I don't watch. even know what that means. I mean, safe for the whole family. I don't find the word safe in scriptures. I don't mm-hmm. teaching your kids to be safe is odd to me mm-hmm. because that's what it's saying is not. It's not safety. It's it's somehow removing yourself from anything. Uh, in in some other definition, some else created, it, it's it's a real it's a real challenge. The, the words f- faith, f- uh, faith friendly, or family friendly. Um, I'm faith, f-
1: faith friendly. Now that's a
2: oh the amount of words we hear. Faith adjacent, faith friendly, um, faith and family, um, faith is it, based. Is
1: it, isn't faith born of adversity? You know, so, or yeah, like well, faith is faith is born like if you look at the Hebrew Hall of Faith, like it's. Faith is shown through works and difficult. Like faith, friendly is, um,
2: pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly right. <laughs> what are you talking about, faith yeah. friendly? So I thought, and faith means, I guess it means, in their definition of a religious audience, right? But tr- the scriptural view of faith would be, yes, you are, um, you are th- if throwing yourself at the cross and are fully desperate and dependent and living through um, the struggle and suffering and sacrifice. And I don't think I see much sacrifice and suffering and darkness in a faith movie. Yeah. I'm definitely concerned about, when I think of my kids, about we don't talk about this being a Christian song. We talk about whether it's true or false.
1: Love it. That is very much like how we... Oh man, I I could even you know pull up the podcast, but that's it. That's it. Is it true or is it false? Yeah. Because Christians can make things that are false even if they're not even trying to. Do and, all the time. And and uh, you know non Christians, they can you know a blind squirrel can find a, mm-hmm. an acorn. You know you can there's and I'm not trying to actually maybe that that came across even wrong actually, but like uh, if it's true, it's true. Right. And so uh, whenever you're assessing a movie or whatever, yeah. This idea of it's Christian, so I'm just going to you know,
2: yes. take a whole hog is so, so unhelpful. You let your guard down. And there, there are movies that have come out in the last seven years, and this is where it's been hard for us, those of us who are not against faith movies, but we believe we occupy a different space, a middle space between general market and faith, which includes people, thoughtful believers who, who want more. Mm-hmm. But there are movies that have come out that are theologically wrong, and that can be subjective in some sense, but they're actually lying about the human condition and who God is and what the story is.
1: Well, isn't it, they're, they're related. Being wrong about the human condition is theology. You know well, what I yes, mean?
2: Yes, you could say that, but I get in trouble because if I say, find production quality. If people complain about production on movies, Uh huh. I'm like, eh. You know, I see a lot of bad movies that have bad production. I'm more concerned about the theological problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, your, your script is wrong. It's telling yep. people that if I do certain things, things turn out the right way. Right. There's no formula. Right, And right. so we talk about this a lot. We say, we've seen plenty of, we see it all the time in Hollywood, well-told lies. The church is very good at poorly told truths. why don't we just make some well told truths it's a very simple idea highest quality but let's tell the truth Mm -hmm. going back to kindergarten you know, you learn how to share with people you learn how to play well with others you learn to be honest and tell the truth and somehow for some reason over the years Christians begin to spin and lie and and think that they can't be honest with the Mm -hmm. world and the world's desperate for Christians to say oh you know they're desperate too Mm -hmm. they're broken too
1: yeah. No, I love it. So we we got connected because we have the situation where popular demand isn't necessarily seemingly going to produce the highest quality cultural pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it will. Like it's this isn't a, a knock against the market and then you work within these spaces all the time. But there is a sense where it's like, man... The best, perhaps, or not even the best, but along with these other things, a, a good formula, even historically speaking, is, is patronage. Like this idea that you have an artist who has a vision that might not pr- be particularly viable in the market, but it's good. Mm-hmm. and But it's impossible for that you know, uh, artist to, to see their vision come to fruition without support, without the actual material backing. And, uh, and so that's where this idea of patronage and this relationship between an artist and a sponsor uh, comes in, which was actually kind of the modus operandi of art for so long, up mm. until only about 150 or 200 mm. years ago. And so this is something that we're really starting to hone in on lately. Um, but it's how we got connected, because yeah. you've been talking strongly about patronage. And I want you to share your vision about how patronage can you know exist in these spaces and, and what patronage could look like and all well, that. it was
2: it was very refreshing to hear you talk about your vision for the organization because as you said, there's many and you started this way there's many organizations working with artists, and that's health, healthy and helpful and necessary um, but as I and as you I'm sure go out and talk with people. What's the missing equation is where's the audience and where the, where's the audience that's willing to be with the artist through thick and thin from beginning to the end.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I'm so thankful that, and you just got my mind spinning about this, this whole idea of patrons. And I look at patrons being, and this is partly my experience working with those who have lots of money to give to film, and they're almost one and dones They come in, yeah. They fund something a significant amount of money, and then it doesn't work, and they're out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a problem. But I have more hope and more interest in the small and medium size funder and donor mm-hmm. because it's it's less risky. It can spread out more. And you can collaborate with other people. You're. It's more of a community idea or the, or the crowd. But I don't. I think it's more community yes. funding than crowdfunding. I mean, crowds are anonymous
1: isn't that so interesting there's like a, a and and i don't want to interrupt but no please. But there's a movement towards patronage to some degree because you have like kickstarter and patreon yeah and and there's a movement towards that but it's only there's a scale or, or a spectrum rather and and there's there are more steps to really be taken because even the idea of crowdfunding, ah, you're still in a crowd. Yes. You're still being served Who versus a mutually beneficial, and and it is yeah. mutually beneficial, but but a more symbiotic, truly symbiotic relationship. Uh, even Patreon is like, yeah, so you're sp- sp- like patronizing regularly and upfront, mm-hmm. and that's great. Like it's a great model, um, but there's still this, um, but there's still like remnants of a consumeristic mindset there inherent to it that hopefully as we move forward a vision for engagement collaboration and, and generosity can actually take on more
0: speaking of patreon i want to take just a moment to thank all of our patreon supporters for making this podcast possible without your help we literally couldn't afford to keep doing this I want to offer a special thanks to our newest supporters, Lushune Boyd, William Smith, and Juliette Jones. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to contribute to this podcast and this movement, please join our patron community today at patreon.com forward slash renew the arts.
1: But there's still like remnants of a consumeristic mindset there inherent to it that hopefully... As we move forward, a vision for engagement, collabor- collaboration, and, and generosity can actually take on more. But I love how you pointed that out with like crowdfunding is still crowd. I love yeah. that. Yeah.
2: No, it's, it's, there's something, when I look at all those platforms, I don't think I've ever used them for the reason of trying to discover someone else. I know the person, and I was invited by that individual in their work, but even then... It, it's still asking the artist to do things that they're not good at:
3: mm-hmm. self
2: promotion, sales. Right. Got to get out. I mean, they should be creating, and, there's, and this is why we we keep thinking about what's what's the better version. Is isn't there a role for for an organization like yours to be an advocate in front of the artist or around the artist and advocating to the patron of why why it, it's worthy and mm-hmm. why this artist. Need support and why and again, you have to start asking which we can get to is what is? What's the outcome? Like what is the measurable? What is is there something to describe to patrons that we haven't stumbled upon yet? Of why it's essential to support the artists arts? because right now. It's typically a Relation which is good relationship driven. I mm-hmm. know an artist. Yes. I Love them and their work. I'm gonna give money. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting anything in return. But there's got. I think there's some other piece to that that we haven't gotten to yet, which is there is a there are other benefits to investing in artists and patronizing artists that um, are good for society and good for our neighbor and good for the church, mm-hmm. and good for me, and good for whatever we hope for for the kingdom. Yeah, it's it's trying to lift away from just one artist needs my help to. A cultural mandate, stewardship mm-hmm. of all of creation, requires us to think about generosity with the artist.
1: Right, right. Maybe now, now we're just spitballing, but like, uh, <laughs> let's maybe do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's find the
2: answers in uh, forty-five minutes.
1: I and I guess I, I'm saying now I'm just spitballing because those were very, very coherent thoughts.
2: Um, no, I'm I'm still
1: the uh, maybe the the piece is that you know so. I invest in an artist because I know them and I like their work, so that's a big piece. But there's another kind of something else, and, and maybe it's that when they've supported a work and it doesn't go on to do great things, there's a disappointment.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there might be a lot of progress to be made in terms of redefining success. Mm-hmm. and We talked about this a little bit on the phone. This idea of like concentric circles. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I know an artist, like my best friend Jesse is an incredible singer songwriter. We're just now sponsoring one of his records, mm. and uh, I love him. I love his music. I'm helping out, and then the album has potential to do great things, but maybe it doesn't. Do, do I get disappointed and mm. reconsider future investments, or do I realize? And I think that this is. A vision that really people i don't know it, it's something that needs to be talked about that culture with a big c like changing the culture mm-hmm. like it's something out there mm-hmm. is not that's not even a thing mm-hmm. you know what? i still meet people that haven't watched star wars <laughs> like there is no one culture right as far as like oh Transformative of culture. And you know, Star Wars had a huge impact, but guess what? There are people
2: outside that don't care even.
1: You know, they make fun of, you know, Star Wars, you know, or Trekkies or whatever. And it's like these, you know, so it's like there is no one culture. Right. There is no one thing that has transformed everything. It's a bunch, culture is a building made up of many small bricks. Mm -hmm. And so there can be satisfaction in curating or, or, uh, investing in a culture that is heightened the local right Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. it's small um and i i guess there's this sense of you know there's the proverb that says like the fool's eyes are on are on the ends of the earth Hmm. the fool it's the fool who wakes up and is thinking oh yes way out there is the the big world and yes The wise man deals with what's at hand
2: oh my gosh yeah and
1: i and you know you can transform culture you know we're sitting in your house your home this is as much a space as any other space there's cubic feet here Mm -hmm, right you know mm -hmm, what i mean this mm -hmm. is a space and and you can transform and renew this culture as you have been you've been curating your home and uh anyway i guess i guess bringing the vision of what the arts can accomplish yeah, and maybe even pulling some false promises out of out of the air that have kind of been given, maybe sometimes to to Christian investors of like, uh, yes. you want to support a film? I can, I'm, I want to guarantee you that this film will not change the world. <laughs> can I do that up yes. front? You know, yes. and say, but it could really. Uh,
2: it's not going to save souls. It's not going to save the culture.
1: But it could really have some really great impact on a couple of people, you know, yeah. and it could be. A, and it could be a part of your collection that you watch, you know, many times in the future. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, it doesn't.
2: Well, you were so on the phone again. The, the conversation got in my head just exploding with thoughts, and it was so good that I, I like how you guys are thinking of the your own thought and mind, heart and mind of your own wife how do you transform that first you talked about um decorating the the walls of your heart and mind yeah with things that 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 is the i guess the the essential the epicenter of the concentric circles right
1: right that is cultural transformation is actually the smallest atom it's like the it starts with how you curate your own Personal cultural experience. Yeah, which is just your eyes and your, your own eyes and ears and,
2: and the next one would be uh, Family or, or if you a, have a family mm-hmm. your family. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. and
1: whatever and then and then beyond that like whatever spaces you have authority over So if you have a family, but you also have a home, you know, mm-hmm. like you're you know You have a natural authority right mm-hmm. over the things in your home and so you curate that for the sake of your family and your guests That's an interesting thing too, Mm. you know. Your home isn't just for you, it's for, you know, it starts to be this middle ground, right? I like this idea of the living room. Like, there is no culture, there's only living rooms. And whenever you talk about the Mm. big culture, you're just talking about a big living room where Mm. we all contribute pieces that we think could be shared and enjoyed collectively. And, uh, And so, you know, imagine going to a big, someone's big living room and, you know, it's not a space to be taken over. No one wants to, you know, who... Would you go into a space and say, I'm going to take over this living room and, and just put my own... Si-. No, you know, if you have something good and true and beautiful, like you're saying, that can contribute and even, like, draw people's attention to it, uh, that's, that's, that's how you interact with culture, you know? You hang an even better piece on the wall. Mm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the concentric circles would be something along the lines of your, your own personal experience curating what you actually are letting into your own mm. eyes and ears making sure that that is actually edifying and, like, Mm. serving you um, and growing you. And then your family, spaces and places that are actually under your authority, like your home or perhaps offices, if you have an office, if you're a church leader, you know. Or if you go to a church, start collaborating with people at your church for that space that you have not necessarily authority over but then influences in. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, like, neighborhoods or or towns, you know, like... um, that's sure, we can case. talk about Hollywood, quote-unquote. You know, got to yeah. take over Hollywood. It's like, well, what about Alpharetta? You know, <laughs> yeah. what what about Brookwood? Or what about, Yes. like, you know, if you haven't been able to take over Chattanooga, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and there's well, so fewer barriers in Chattanooga. Oh my like, goodness. if you haven't put your heads together to figure out how to transform significant cultural... Um, Input in Chattanooga and just make the place more beautiful and more truthful, yeah then like why are you even thinking about yeah. two thousand
2: miles away that's that's fascinating because it when I went to New York, um you know I had this had you know, this grand vision and for changing the world and changing culture and all that, but you realize when you're in New York on a block, which probably has i don't know there's probably five thousand people on a block, maybe I'm not sure I mean I, I mean it's high. But you realize, I don't even know if I can transform my apartment building, let alone this block, let alone this section of the city, let alone this Manhattan, Yes. New York, the state, the yes. country. And I love your starting with the individual because everything I hear and have heard, although I think it's changing, has been... That big C culture. That we're gonna have a movie. We're gonna have an election. We're gonna have a Supreme Court case, and it's gonna just be this top-down push of all cultural change. Yeah. And I, th- when you're talking about living room, too, I think of my wife who has a furniture business.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so you're sitting in 130-year-old chairs from London, probably some private club somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in the business of curating really old pieces of furniture from London and France. And her argument to customers, and not argument, but her, her pitch is that yes, you can go down to Pottery Barn and you can buy things that are, look great. Yeah. Functional, look fine. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other people have that. And you probably will be on a trash heap within 20 years. Yeah. The piece that you're buying, that dresser or that end table or that um, unique farm table, has been around for 150 years, and it will be around for 150 years, and it'll be passed to your children, yeah. and they'll have memories of sitting at that table in those chairs. Yeah. And so, yes, the living room, and I love that, the capital L-R, so the living room of our culture, is is hospitality, you talked about this, hospitality, generosity, mm-hmm. it's inviting people in, it's listening, it's curiosity, it's, it's adorning the walls with things that are interesting and beautiful. And Yeah. Um, not here today and gone tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And there's a weird thing whenever you talk about investing in culture and and, and renewing culture or transforming culture is that it, it takes the personal satisfaction out of it that I think mm-hmm. is is actually one of the elements that can be lost where it's like, oh patronage wasn't this one hundred percent purely altruistic thing. Like I patronize art because I get something out of it. Like, yeah. like I have supported the musicians around me because they have served me so well,
2: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, it's not,
1: mm-hmm. oh, oh, I need to support local artists, and, right. and this, it's just the ethical thing to do. Um, I, I think you should support local artists because it actually brings you much more value. Mm-hmm. And, um, and coming to a realization, I think that that's a big part 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 of the the, the the pitch that you're saying, you know, there's a sense of, you know, I support people because I know them and I like their work, but also a sense of, you know, whenever you get involved intimately right. on a project, and I don't mean pulling strings, but like whenever you really get behind something and you're engaged and you're invested and you help make it a reality and it's beautiful and it's true and it's out there now and Maybe five other people really love it. Maybe 500 other people really love it. There's a satisfaction in that. And then even being able to, like, you know, listen to that album yourself. Uh, if it is good and beautiful and true, like, that serves your soul. That, like, that serves you as a person. You know, what makes life worth living? It's such a weird, mm-hmm. like, fundamental concept um, that... It's like, wow, really taking it back to the basics. But like, what really makes moments valuable? And Mm -hmm. having transcendent moments where you're brokenhearted because of a story, or you're just inspired Mm -hmm. by a piece of art, or you are um, being revealed to yourself through a piece of music. Mm -hmm. Like, that. You can't put a price tag on that. So, if it's like, well, if I gave $2,000 to help this album work out, like that's a steal. Right. That's a steal. And what's interesting is that I think a lot of people don't invest like that because they don't have those experiences, which is fascinating. Yeah. So, it's like, oh, the paradigm shifts. And this is why we're so focused on Patreon and I'm going on a rant here, but Mm -hmm. oh, we've wanted you to serve artists, we've forgotten that even more desperate is what artists can do for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that your life will be far more transformed by a holistic engagement with the arts than an artist will be transformed by your investment.
2: Yeah, that's huge. Exactly. Yeah, that is, that's flipping the tables. And I I think that's putting, the artist is typically seen as someone who's, Always in need, always seeking something, and to tell the artist what you're doing is saying, you have a lot to offer the patron. You have something to give to them, um, and take that responsibility, and be bold with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Don't don't feel that. Oh, you know, I'm beholden to. I or, always
1: need your help.
2: Yes, and I'm just kind of groveling for money, and it's just no. Be bold and say, this is going to bless you in the world. Or the world being, you know, your community, your neighborhood, your church, mm-hmm. um, and I think artists in the church, in particular, are struggling right now because there's there's that like you mentioned, the commercial marketplace is rewarding art that is not really beautiful mm-hmm. and exceptional it's rewarding what is marketed and popular and made popular through different mechanisms, typically money and hype, and has certain delivery and has certain distribution. Because you you can see everywhere that there's great art that's just not being found.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I think the artist, and that's, that's a struggle, is the patrons are seeing what's working and they're thinking, oh, that must be great art because it's popular, so it's, there's, a, there's a fault on that side, and the fault on right. our side is, or the, the frustration is, you know, why can't the good things win? Why can't the good things yes. be yeah. accelerated that way? And mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting that, um, I think the hope of the world is the church, capital C Church, you know, yeah. not the building itself, because we have a lot of ugly buildings, but the the <laughs> church itself is the hope of the world through the gospel and the spirit but um well not a but but it that requires the church took a huge step forward in being a leader in the arts yeah and were we talking about this or someone else is saying that the digitization like the current moment yeah and then the fact that and then again um I think it was you that said this. If not, steal it. It was. It was basically like the the moment is so ripe for the church. Yeah. So the yeah to be an answer through the arts.
1: Exactly. Like because we've talked enough.
2: There's so there's so little. It was you. See. Yeah. I remember these things. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was um because of the digitization of art, it's so hard, oftentimes to make make money except for a very big mm-hmm. you know uh, or a a few percentage at the top making, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the 80-20 principle or even 90-10, but, you know, a few people are making most of the money. Um, and I'm not here to, you know, argue whether or not that's necessarily good or bad, but the fact is that there's a middle ground. Charlie mm-hmm. Peacock called it the the creative um, uh, middle class. Yeah. Where it's like, there's no, there's no surviving here. You yes. know what I mean? Like, the digitization of art is good for the <laughs> creative lower class as far as, you have platforms, you can be heard around the world. It's so right. easy to get there. And way on the other end, the high, high upper class is, is, you know, Spotify actually serves pop artists like, like superstars very well. They get right. paid very well through Spotify. But the middle, the middle road is uh, very underserved by the current um, uh, market. And I think that there is it, we are in a crucial moment where all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's no money. There's Mm -hmm. no money for making Mm. quote-unquote middle-class art, and by that I mean just like really great artists who aren't stars yet. Yeah. And so so there's no money in that. How is, is this going to work? How are we going to maintain new artists that are doing good things or even support the amazing artists that just deserve to continue doing their work? And the church has a long history of supporting artists through patronage, like recognizing that good and beautiful and true things deserve to exist outside of their marketability and economic functionality
2: mm-hmm. yep they're measurables
1: and so we invest in those things through vision and generosity and that's how you lead a culture that's right and and there's a, this incredible moment where like the national endowment of the arts is like you know, they're always, you know, trying to fight for their budget and uh, schools are cutting art things and universities are cutting art departments and everyone is cutting art and there's no money to be made in the market (laughs) for art, you know, and it's like, oh, the church can do what we used to do and immediately become the driving force in 90% of the creative output just through this idea of patronage and generosity that we have such a long history of doing in the first
2: place. If only we could rule the world because it would be great (laughs) if if we could only orchestrate every church and church leader and Christian to say, because, you know, it's frustrating for those of us who are in this space because if you would just uh, support artistry and craftsmen and makers, you would serve your neighbor. And you pray a lot and read the word, you really could change the witness of the Christian church yeah. <laughs> over over a decade. And and I I look back because I'm older than you by many years, but we tried the church was so good at trying to be good. Uh-huh. And then we had this era of let's just defend the faith, the truth, the truth, the truth. But for whatever reason, we never have tried, and not like try like it's a strategy, but just we've never put emphasis on Let's make beautiful things. Yeah. I mean, and beautiful is not pretty. Beautiful is so it's, I mean you have to define beauty. Right. But I think that but I think I'm seeing a generation that's interested in the restoration of of um all things. Ugly yeah. <laughs> ugly things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And starting with our own hearts and our own churches and our homes. Yeah. Back to your point is um, well you have a model. The one one one, model. Yes, it's it sounds, it's interesting because I I um <clears throat> I did I I thought of it and was thinking about it and researched it and then. You know you throw things out and you hope that people, are on the same thoughts as you and mm-hmm. yeah one one one. For lack of a better term, right now it's just, it's for, families and for churches, but churches would be one percent of your budget, one percent of your space, one percent of your time. Yeah, 1% of your time over a year is one weekend to give to artists to Mm -hmm. put them on stage showcase their work pray for them um, Should have a film festival do something in the community for the arts 1% of their space would be Literally a hundred and seventy square feet. So it's probably a classroom size of where you could create a workshop a space Mm -hmm. hang up hang art on the walls um, Make a theater for for to showcase art or showcase um, music and film, mm-hmm. I don't know. Put up lots of paint and and pastels and pencils and charcoal pencils. Like I don't yeah. know, just create a space for creativity. And then the one percent of the budget is uh, nine thousand dollars a year average for a church budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if you if you just took one percent. Of every church in America, is twenty-eight million dollars a year. Mm. That is that is accessible, and and how you would use that in you know localizing, of course, your support of art, of your artists and your community. That's fine, but it's not a huge a huge ask and a big uh, commitment. I think it's very practical. And the family, though, which I really appreciate, starting with that um, smaller circle is. I think we spend six thousand dollars a year on entertainment and food and and all that's we use for I guess under the entertainment and media mm-hmm. budget. Line yeah. item. So sixty bucks a year. If you just said I'm gonna buy two tickets to a really great gallery open or gallery open um, or a concert. Yeah. I'm gonna support it in that budget of uh, that I'm already spending. Mm -hmm. And then your your space, I mean, can you give the size of a ping pong table for your kids to have a creative space? Mm -hmm. And can you give one weekend a year to really do something intentional for an artist or with artists or to see an artist, support an artist? So I'm just really trying to figure out how do we get to be uh, very focused on what's possible Mm -hmm. with what we already have and what we're doing. Right, right. Too many times we're asking for up and above and beyond, and it's a hard reach for some people Mm -hmm. in churches. They're already spent on their weekends and their budgets and space. But we already have this. Why can't we use it for some greater purpose in the arts?
1: Yeah. no, I love it.
2: I hear kids coming home.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of family. Yeah. So what are your, uh, where do you hope to be able to? Are you you hoping to continue propagating that idea in different circles? Like, what are your, what would you hope to to accomplish with that that model? Uh,
2: I I think the the hope is that it becomes something that is democratized and Mm -hmm. individuals take it upon themselves and a church. I know there's many churches doing interesting things with with their space and with their budgets and and their support of the arts. So it's happening. I would hope that it would be tailored into their own context, great. Mm-hmm. I do think that there is, there's a, um, a rallying point coming soon where a new expression of how to support the arts is gonna become very clear. And, and we are, I say we, it's a number of people outside of our company and outside of this area. Mm-hmm. They're talking about what does a platform look like? What, is it, what does it look like to curate better and to, and to help artists connect with patrons on a smaller level? And, and, and that, that's just so wet cement right now. We haven't formalized that or put it into real practice. Yeah. But I do feel like there's another, a number of people doing things that are, that are becoming more and more clear and again, Thousand Flowers Bloom. Like I, I don't want to be the center. I don't think it's a new organization that's mm-hmm. the epicenter of all this. I think it's going to be localized. Um, but if we all can be speaking to the the wider world of saying it's important and there are benefits that are beyond yourself and um, it's the right thing to do. It's a good steward of culture. It's the call of the Christian. It's the call of the church. Um, it's... It glorifies God in ways that we don't um, typically do in in other ways. Mm -hmm. And I think from a larger cultural perspective and social perspective, I don't see politics um, solving all these problems. Certainly not on its own. Right.
1: Like, it has to be comprehensive. Even just from a, you know... talking about the arts and we both have kind of a background in politics mm-hmm. mine less professional as much as like um, educational but uh, I think a very practical like it, it there's a very practical sense of listen if you continue banging your head against the rock of politics without engaging in other more holistic strategy
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, not to even necessarily to make art a strategy but if If you want policy that looks ugly, good luck. Like, you have to, like, it has to seem good. Yeah. And to make something seem good is more than just ramming a politician in, you know, a a hero politician who, you know, is going to go against the whole tide, right? Yeah. Like, you got to change the tide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially in, in in a republic, you know, in a republic that we have. Mm-hmm. Um you don't want one politician to be able to get in and change everything. That's kind of the whole idea. So why, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, we have a constitutional republic, which is why we got to get some good one or two good politicians in there and really reform the place. It's like, now they represent the culture at large and until you change as well what I'm saying is like continue investing in politics. But like diversify, like yeah. it has to be everything. Because if the tide is going one way, you gotta work on the tide too. You know itself. I was so encouraged to see your voice championing the idea of patronage, and um, and kind of digging your, your heels in a little bit, and saying like, we really gotta figure out a way to mm. articulate this clearly.
2: Well, I I I went to D.C. In 1990, well, got involved in 94, 95, 96, went to D.C. Because that's what you did then to have huge impact. Mm -hmm. And it is significant impact. But my, my journey has been seeing so much attention and so much money being poured into electing the right people and I think it's a—it's not a a kingdom mindset to think that if you get the right people in power, that you can press down it's, into the wider world.
1: It's changed through power. And power yeah. just means that you're forcing someone to act a certain way. Right. That's what law is. Right. It's not necessarily a wrong thing with good laws, but it's like, if you want to see cultural renewal, it's not going to be through the sword.
2: Right, right. Right, and that's, and that's um, it's partly a fast way to achieve ends. You, you get the right people in place, you can start putting in policies and start regulating behavior and beliefs. Exactly, yeah. And I just think that if we could have that same investment, money, attention, time, commitment, <laughs> all the things you do for elections and issues mm-hmm. applied to the makers, the artists. I, I have to believe that you would, you would see many of the things we all hope for: stronger families, communities, um, neighborhoods that are diverse and connected, and caring for the least, mm-hmm. um, a kindness. And empathy I mean these things that you can't legislate. I think you'd see that because there would be this like you said just the connection to each other and relationship and you'd be um, and I think the world's desperate for beautiful expressions of of humanness and our commonness. Yeah, and it's. It, I think. I think this is helpful in this context currently and politically. I think it's helpful that it's been, it's become such a hard object and so strident and so so. Um, again, the so so so. Uh, <laughs> it's just. It's a blunt instrument. And it's turned people off. That we're all looking for something different. And it's going to return us to, local, what's real, what's rooted. What's create creative? What's created? And that's why this generation, not knowing your age, but I think you're in that generation that is the most entrepreneurial in, in history. Mm. Uh, and a friend of mine has said this, which I'd love to steal, is the generation rising is interested in craft, community, and cause because you want to um, you want to be good at something, you want to belong to something, you want to believe in something craft community cause and i think that is done locally and i think it's an, your generation is or the rising generations mm-hmm. that's real to them i think you might be right hope which so. is actually really exciting it's not it's not my idea so i, I could say i hope he is right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no,
1: that 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 is really exciting and um and it's hopeful and i and i and i and i see I see a lot of potential there. Uh, I think that I think it could really. I've talked to people who have run Christian arts organizations or just been in this space for a while, and they can, they can you know, they can be a little beat up. Mm. And um, and I might just be a wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, young something jumping into the fray, but. It's like yeah, yeah, I know. Like, and, and it, it has been hard for, for me, you know, in the last however many years I've been doing this now, like five years. Um, but things feel like they're moving. Like, mm-hmm. I've put my shoulder into it, and it hasn't moved a lot. But like, I'm pretty sure it budged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it and it <clears throat> mm-hmm. and it's like it's very exciting because a big boulder, if it budges it doesn't have to move a lot for you to be like, this thing is going to move. If it budged, it can move. Yes. Which is very exciting.
2: So I think... Uh, a lot of things around that big boulder are, are shifting. So it, you're seeing <laughs> the landslide right. can happen. With Gaps this are smoke.
1: opening up. Yeah. You're like, oh, I think that this thing might be about ready to go. And I'm sorry that you put your shoulder into it for so many years and are feeling tired. You know, this is something I might say to them. It's like, but maybe if I keep pushing... Then it'll all pay off
2: oh there's a friend um, Dean Batali someone you guys should know who's who's a, a writer showrunner TV he had this line that is a decade ago and I thought it was exactly right that that my generation won't do the things that we all hope to do it'll be the generation rising because we're not and then he went on this litany of things we're not powerful enough creative enough Thoughtful enough, patient enough. Um, haven't gone through enough. There's there's a there's a lot of things we haven't done mm. enough, so we are just breaking. We're building soil. Right. That's our role, mm. and it's humbling to say, you know, if you're 46 years old, you're not going to be able to do the things that y'all hope for. But maybe the 26 year old will do it because we're just out there, as Robert Frost said, building soil, mm-hmm. and that's our role and that's scriptural because there's lots of characters in the Bible All they did is had a kid or all they did is played a role one right, time That we right, love right and they were not the king. They were not the priest the prophet the and and not the saviors certainly hmm but they had a little role to play and That's where I'm, I'm thankful for what you're doing and is that it could be as much as those before you Got some stuff right and began to push hmm and you're going to do more and then your kids will do more right and let's have a 100-year vision for this thing i mean this is not a election election cycle 2 year plan
1: yes exactly exactly
2: i mean if you're talking about something
1: as big as patronage in the church like <laughs> that's on the scale like when you start talking about that you're talking on scales of hundreds of years mm-hmm. it's like well let's start it you know Fifteen hundred years ago this was yes. going on. You know what I mean? It's like wow, the scale is so huge. So yeah, definitely in it for the long game. And which means that building off of so many people's work in the past and also trying to build for the future is huge. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so you. much.
2: Just appreciate this. Yeah. This is fantastic. And I again commend you and your work and what you're all doing. And we'll uh, we'll fight it together.
0: Absolutely. We'll push together. Absolutely. The push bolders. together.
2: The boulders will be moved. We will move. (laughs) Somewhere. Somehow.
1: Someday. We'll get there.
0: We want to end this episode on that note of perseverance by playing When There's a Mountain by Anthony Quails from his record Before the Bright Lights.
3: We hollowed a hole. Through the Gray Divide In a Colorado town Over near the Utah line Dug a tunnel with a shovel And some dynamite Then a few years later We landed in the paper When we reached the other side It started as the dream Of a millionaire was a real estate king when he moved out there he built a railway line over that mountain side. but when the ice got Choose to walk away in that moment, you will find an answer waiting every time. Just